There are birds who say that life is an illusion, and that reality is simply a figment of the imagination. Look who the birds have brought us this week. Welcome, and congratulations for crossing the threshold of realities. There's much to share if you know the language of the birds. Hello, this is your host, Valkyrie. And you are in the Godbox Cafe. I am your audio architect, and I have the most exquisite guest with us tonight, who is in all probability going to give you answers to some questions that many of us as a collective have been facing with this transition that is happening on a global scale. The objective is to switch from anxiety into a state of thriving. And our next guest is most assuredly going to give you a lot of advice. She has a very potent toolbox that she'll describe for you. And she is lovely enough to share this with our audience. So I would like to introduce you to Jasmine Kenna. Now, Jasmine, I am a professional astrologer and I have only had a peripheral understanding of the human design technique. Since this is your area of specialization among a multitude of other things, could you please give our audience an understanding of what the difference is between human design and a report that I would give, say, doing a natal chart? Oh, yes, of course. And thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here today. Let's see. The way that I like to think about the differences between human design and astrology are if you thought about New York City, as a whole. Astrology would probably be all of the boroughs. It would be the poetry of the city, all of the nuances. And human design would be the subway system, it, how you get there. So it's basically human design is the blueprint of how your energy works in the world. That is a fantastic analogy. In keeping with that theme, my understanding is there are four categories within the human design technology. Could you describe those four. When we find out which of these we are, we navigate the world accordingly. Right, exactly. So in my opinion, and this is sometimes debated in our community, but in my opinion, there are technically five types. So we have the generator type, which is a generator and a manifesting generator. And generators are really here to be the workers of our society. They have a lot of life force energy. They're here to respond to life. Generators make up about 70% of society as a whole. So it's a bit, it's a really big community. And most of our world was it's generated. So generators have a usually a pretty easy time assimilating to like 3D reality. Then we have projectors, which are here to guide and direct others. And they're really here to rest. And although they are here to guide and direct and take a leadership role, they're not really here to do that in a forceful manner. And their strategy is to wait for an invitation. So the way that their guidance is best used is to be asked for. When their guidance is needed and asked for, that is when it's the most accepted. Sometimes they struggle with that. Then we have manifestors and they're about 10% 
of society. These are the people that can just go do things. It's really quite a novelty, right? For the rest of us, I'll have to wait. And they are really, really just magnificent to watch when they're in action and they're happy. They have an enormous impact and they can really get things going. Although they're also not here to work in a traditional way. And then lastly, we have reflectors and reflectors are the unicorns of human design. They make up 1% of the whole world. And I ran your chart today and I think that you are a reflector. That's my understanding. Yes. So I'm a unicorn. Yes, You are a unicorn. You're a one percenter. And that's beautiful. Reflectors are really here to measure the health and wellness of their community. So the way human design works, it gives me goosebumps to talk about this because the way human design work when it's working is that you have one type or two types of each person of each human in, in a community and the reflector, the health of the reflector reflects the health of the community because the reflectors are completely open. They have no consistent energy of their own and they mirror and reflect back what is happening outside of them. And so when we have reflectors that are unhealthy, we know that there's work to be done in our community. When we have reflectors that are happy and healthy and well-grounded, then we know that our community is doing well. I hope that all makes sense. Oh, most definitely. That was beautifully presented. What was it that attracted you to this methodology in the first place? How did you come across it? Well, I'm a manifesting generator, it turns out. And we have a history of really kind of being, we, we jump around a lot. We have a lot of pivots in our life. We don't really stick to one thing. And I think up until my late 30s, I really thought of those attributes and those characteristics as flaws personal flaws and shortcomings. And then one day I was listening to a podcast and I think it might've been Jenna Zoe and she was talking about the specific type of person. And I thought, oh, that's me. That's me. She's talking about me. And immediately I just started diving into it and figured out that she was talking about me and that I am a manifesting generator and that I'm built to float around and try a lot of different things and have a lot of fun and enjoy my life. And suddenly my flaws became my superpowers. And I think that that's such a huge, huge gift to be able to give people. This is staggeringly significant, especially now when people, whether they like it or not, are being nudged into stepping into their authentic selves. So the masks are all coming off, whether one likes it or not. And that can be extremely frightening to a multitude of people who are holding on to what has been appropriate in the past as a consequence of conditioning, as a consequence of programming, as a consequence of conforming to societal norms. So much of mm -hmm. that is dissolving as we speak. So what advice would you give on the basis of these transitional times? And how would you tailor that on the basis of what category a person is in terms of generator manifester and projector and reflector? I think that they're all so significantly different. Each type has its own energy and also its way of interacting with the world and with one another. So I think it's important to find out your type and to find out your strategy and authority because your strategy and authority are what teach you how to make decisions that are correct for you. And once you start getting into that with human design, you see your patterns of conditioning and you see where you're not showing up your most authentic or where you've been told you needed to behave in a certain way. And a lot of those ways are incorrect for you. 
So figuring out, that's like a great first step, just figuring out your type and figuring out your strategy and authority, and then moving on from there, I think is the best move. So if someone were to request a human design report from you, how long would that be? And what would it contain? I don't actually do reports. I do one-on-one sessions with clients, much like it's a Zoom call that's recorded. And they're usually about 60 minutes. Occasionally I work with couples, which is really a fun thing to do to check out relationship dynamics. And, um, and those are a little bit longer, but what we talk about in one of my sessions is your type, your strategy and authority. And then I'd like to have my sessions be a back and forth conversation so that I can talk to you about what pain points you're experiencing, what challenges, things that have maybe been haunting you your whole life or that you've been trying to move through. And then I connect the dots with your chart. So my readings are very intuitive and are very much client led, but we get to see the bottom of who people are pretty quickly in them. That's fantastic. And it sounds very synergistic and extremely empowering. So it's not a question of you lecturing anybody on anything or convincing them that what they're doing is not right. It's more just a matter of them getting to understand the mechanisms by which they can most effectively traverse any types of obstacles or any kinds of challenges that life presents. And then I'm sure that once they get the hang of that, then it turns into something that they can use no matter what situation they find themselves in. Absolutely. I mean, speaking personally, my whole life is different. I'll give you an example if we have time. Please. Um, Each center in the body graph, that's the map you get of your human design chart. Each center is very similar to chakras. It's an energy center. And if they're open, that means that you don't have consistent energy in that area. If they're colored in, then that means they're defined and you can count on your energy being that way all the time. You don't have any consistent energy in your chart. So you're very, very fluid and very open, which I'm sure helps you in the work that you do because you're able to really receive and allow people to come through you. Uh, And I think that that's very important, but for me, I have an open head and my head center is wide open. It doesn't have any consistent energy in it. And so I used to overthink a lot. I used to overthink and overanalyze, and I would really be up in my head trying to make decisions. And it's not correct for me to make decisions with my head. It's correct for me to make a decision with my sacral center. I use my gut to make my decision. So now I hardly think at all, unless it's for fun. (laughs) I just meander through life using my, my central GPS, my gut. And I know what's next for me. I know what the correct right thing is for me to do. And I know that sounds oversimplistic, but it has really gotten that way. I'm like, Oh, I don't remember the last time I was sitting up at night thinking about things because I make my decisions with my body, not my head. This is amazing. Can you indicate, because I'm so new to this, and these may be questions that our audience would be asking too, is there a physical component to each one of these gates? If it's closed, is there something that could produce problems physically, or am I adding to this something that isn't actually within the the field? No, there really is. There's a whole science, another piece of human design called the PHS. And that is not something that I particularly deal with, but each of the centers, I can tell you each of the centers is associated with different parts of your body, just like the chakra system. And I mean, human design is very deep and you could really, really study it for years and years because there's pieces that are 
this is what your environment should look like. And this is how you should receive nourishment, food, or like how you digest things. And that could be information or food, you know? So there's all of these aspects of human design. What I deal with is mostly your energetics, your physical energetics and how you move through the world. And in what areas of life have you noticed a significant difference now that you have incorporated the human design information into your daily life? Oh, well, the overthinking is huge. So that's a huge, significant piece for me, but I'm also a parent and I'm lucky enough to have one of each type in my house, except I don't have a reflector, but I have a, my, I have a manifester, a projector and a generator. So I am able to, in real time, I'm able to really see like how dynamics work in a household. And I'm able to really, really use my knowledge and love of human design to run my household which tends to usually make things easier. We have introduced a topic that would be, I'm sure, extremely useful to people with respect to the notion of how do you parent a category that you are not, because you're obviously going to have a different way of perceiving your reality, reacting to your environment and processing information than your child may have. And how does the dynamic work when you have an understanding that your child is not doing the same thing you are? I think it's easier once you know. For me, that's been easier because I'm a manifesting generator and we tend to be the I would say we're the most robust energetically of all of the types. We're kind of a hybrid between manifestors and generators. So we are very quick and we have a lot of energy to really like get up and go and get things done, even though we're still here to respond. And two of my daughters have open or undefined sacral centers. And I was saying to you before, the sacral is the motor that gives you like life force energy, it's creativity, it's workforce energy, it's family energy passion. It's like basically like all the juice of life. They have that section open. So I can really overwhelm them energetically. Not necessarily careful, but I have to be very cognizant that I'm not pushing my agenda on them. You know, I'm not pushing their energy because not that they're delicate. They're just not as robust as I am. And they, um, when you don't have a defined sacral, which I mean, you can maybe attest to this because your sacral center is open. You can be overwhelmed by the energetics in a room and they come home from school sometimes exhausted just from peopling all day. Whereas my daughter, who's a generator and myself could just people for a week straight and not care. The more we get, the more we get. I can safely attest to the fact that I have to literally withdraw myself from any other human beings in order to recharge my own personal battery. So I have an adverse reaction to, in fact, even when I was growing up as a child, the notion of being in a place, a confined space with a lot of people in it would make me physically ill. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. You know, one thing that's really interesting about being a reflector is that you're really here to sample what's going on, you know, to really understand all of the different auras and kind of take what works for you and leave the rest. And so it's important to, if you're ever in a position where you don't feel well around someone or you're in an environment where you don't, where you just feel really uncomfortable, it's immediate. You need to leave, <laughs> get out of there as much, as fast as you can, because you are really the barometer for what's going on in that situation. And you're going to feel it the most. So say you are in a work environment and you're looking at doing a team building project. 
what kind of these categories would you combine within that team to ensure that that goal is realized in the most effective fashion? Wow, that's a great question. Okay, so um, your dream team would be you would have your manifester would be your big idea person, because they're here to initiate they're the people that are like, Oh, listen to this, I've got the greatest idea. And when they put their energy behind something, they can really get it off the ground. Like if you have a manifester in your team, and like I said, they're only 10% of society. So there's not a ton of them around. But if you score one, your team will be great projectors are great at they're great at systems. So they're the ones who are like, okay, manifestors got the idea. How do we make this happen? What does it look like? And they can zoom out and see everybody else's their superpowers to be able to see everybody else's gifts. They're basically like the bird on the wire. Let me move this here and you do this and you do this. And, and their manifestors and projectors are not really here for manual labor. They're not your feet on the street. Then you've got the generators who are very thorough. They're masterful. They're here to have mastery and they are your nuts and bolts. People who will see something through sometimes to their detriment, but they will see it through till the end. And, um, you can count on them always. They will show up. They're very consistent. And then you have the manifesting generators that are really, I think these are your sales team. These are the people that are your, your fast talkers. You're like, Oh, let me take you to lunch. Let me just smooth it out. Let me like work out the situation. And then when I get sick of this, I'll go do something else. So that would be a great way. And a reflector, just be there sampling auras and enjoying what's happening around and, and getting a little bit of energy from everybody and really keeping the energy. I think of the, the reflector as the canary in the coal mine. And if you've got a happy reflector, then you know that everything is copacetic. And as soon as that reflector is like, something's wrong, then we need to pay attention. What's going on here? Maybe we need to shift the dynamic. You know, maybe we need to make some changes because that's a perfect scenario that I just described to you where everybody's following their strategy and authority, making decisions the correct way. And that's not always how it's happening in real life. Sometimes you have unhealthy or conditioned generators or projectors, you know, or manifestors and, and MGs that are not, they're struggling and they're not making decisions the correct way. So it can get pretty hectic in groups when you have that at one of each sometimes. Fascinating. So of the four types, which would you, and I mean, this is not a question of shaming or anything, but uh, there are some people who are not flexible and quite rigid with respect to the way that they do things. And they would be a lot harder to try to train or have them relearn something. What would be the best approach if you encounter someone like that? And who would be the best capable of arriving at a point where, say, the particular way of doing things isn't working? And how do we adjust this? And who, who would put up the most resistance? And how would you get around that? If that's an interesting question. And it might be a little tough to answer because really definition, I, I would say definition more than specific type really points to stubbornness or fixed energy or like when somebody's not um, able to make changes easily and also conditioning plays a huge part in it because you can have a projector who is not necessarily a, a healthy projector who's inserting themselves for a manifesting generator who can have a tendency to sometimes be bossy and, and be like, oh, everybody moves as quickly as I do and everybody should have energy and ha 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 like come on everybody. I could really piss off 
a projector <laughs> because I don't have a lot of time for it. I'm, I'm zooming around, I'm getting things done and I'm very flexible, but my energy could overwhelm a projector. Even occasionally I'm, I, I'm on another podcast with them. Um, whole, we're all different types. And the main person on, on the, um, the host, one of the hosts with me is a manifester and her manifestors have very direct energy. They ego manifestor as well. So she leads by her heart. And if her heart tells her to do something, then that is what needs to happen. Now I understand that about her. So I don't dig in. I just say, okay, go ahead, do what you need to do because that's what, that's how you work. That's how your energy works. So we give each other the space for how we each work. And I stand down. Whereas if I was dealing with a generator type or projector, I probably wouldn't stand down. I would probably dig in a little bit more because my energy is formidable. That was but that's amazing piece. because you have that level of awareness. So you can dial it up or down as, as the situation presents. Absolutely. And, uh, these are the types of things that we have to get acquainted with. I really wish that human design was part of the curriculum with respect to the educational system. First and foremost, as far as children coming to an understanding and awareness of how to work together, because if they figure that out when they're little, then it makes it considerably easier to work on a cooperative level when you're in a work environment. But so much of this is already changing. And uh, I was told that where reflectors are concerned, and I don't know how this would work in any work environment, but I was told that it takes me 28 days before I can, because apparently I am completely connected to the moon. So I'm a you moon are. child and the moon has 28 day cycles. So don't ask me for, <laughs> for an answer until 28 right. days. Right. Yeah. So I know. And it, so it begs the question, should you be in a traditional work environment? Probably not. It's probably not for you. It would probably be exhausting. It was, and I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> but that so, took you a long time. you feel better working oh. at, um, solo? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I work very well with other people, but it's just a question of there are certain dynamics and certain deadlines and pressures. That whole nine to five living in a box sort of thing was Ooh. just just completely soul killing for me. Right. You know, it's so interesting because there's not really any type that's made for that. No, no, no. Like when I look at it, I mean, we, we say a lot of times that generator types are the workhorses of human design, but really generator types, their sacral center is defined and your sacral is about doing what turns you on and what pleases you and what makes you happy. And the more juice you can generate, the happier everybody around you is because generators auras are warm and magnetic and you just want to squeeze into them and like love them. But a miserable generator, a generator who's been doing the same job and it feels like drudgery. Like if you can just imagine like, don't, 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 like I'm just going to work. That is the, what I think is wrong with our society because since 70% of people are generators, people aren't doing work that they love. They're not doing work that fills them up and brings them joy. They're just doing a bunch of weird stuff that is just filler. So I don't think any of us are made for it, for the traditional corporate nine to five scene, unless of course, that's what brings you joy. Um, I don't know anybody that <laughs> joy from that. <laughs> no, nor do I. But I think things are changing in such I a way so. that it's definitely evolving into, into a space where these types of arbitrary 
I don't even know where it came from in the first place on. I think it was just the industrial revolution and the vast majority of people working in factories. And so we are now in the information age. There is absolutely no need for anything like that because we're not all lining up and assembling the same thing for hours on end. There's a great deal of room for that. But because of this change and the fact that people are having to reevaluate their priorities, what's important to them, how they choreograph their energy and time, that level of liberty is something a lot of people are not familiar with. So what advice would you give with respect to how do you adapt to that notion of having a little bit more freedom and what you do with it? Well, that's a tough one, right? It's a tough one because we're, we've been so conditioned to just do what we think we should be doing or what, what is expected of us. And, and the whole ethos of human design and the thing that drew me to it and that I love so much is that firstly, we're all different. Human design is a science of differentiation. And secondly, we're here to enjoy our time here. We're here for the living of life and not just the drudgery of work and that we can do work that we love. We are allowed to do work that we love. And we get to that space by deconditioning, by really getting curious about where we've got these beliefs and ideas that we've inherited or that are collective or societal and taking a look at them and really think, does this work for me? You know, questioning, does this make me feel good? And that's a question that I don't think people ask themselves on a regular basis. And it's a good place to start. Absolutely. And in terms of feeling good, let's uh, touch a little bit on the notion of partnerships, not just professionally, but personally. So from an astrological standpoint, I would look at charts and do a synastry reading to determine how well a match that would be or where a couple who is considering taking this to the next level, where they'd likely to, you know, bump into some walls where there might be resistance, because as you said, everyone is unique and their blueprint is completely individual. But are there some rules of thumb within the human design situation in terms of who dances best with whom? Oh, oh, everybody has different opinions. Um, And it seems that the the opinions vary based on their reader's type, because I look and I say, I don't know how good a manifesting generator would do with a projector partner, you know, but if I talk to you, my projector counterparts, they'd say, oh, no, I think that that could work. So I think the, the way that I do relationship readings is a little bit different than a synastry reading, because I don't believe that there's any, I think it's most awareness and knowledge based, you know? So the energy in human design is if you know what you're working with, with your partner, you can help them in human design, which is a little bit different than astrology. There's a roadmap to say, okay, if you're manifester, if you're married to a manifester, you need to not be asking them questions all the time. Don't interrupt them when they're trying to create or build. And it's the same thing with a manifesting generator has a very non-linear creative process. So for instance, one of my partners was a generator and they're, like I said, they're, they want mastery. And so my mess making of getting all the paint out, 27 gallons of paint and not taping the walls off and not, (laughs) you know, just doing everything in a very haphazard way if he didn't know I was a manifesting generator, that would have driven him to the brink of insanity. But because he understands me and my process, he knew, I think I'll just go get a cup of coffee now and let me know if you need my help. And then when he came back, it was all done and beautiful and everything was put away, but it was a really big mess during the middle of the process. So 
I think we learn how to work with one another. I teach my clients and couples, especially to really give people space and permission to be themselves and to remember that this is a science of differentiation. So we're literally every single human being is different and operating from a different vantage point and has a different energetic blueprint. And you can't expect someone to be like you. Well, those are words of wisdom to be sure that can be applied under any circumstances, whether you have the balance of the human design under your belt or not. What else with respect to human design do you combine with your consultations as far as how you're handling the particular circumstances that people are bringing to you these days as far as looking for answers and seeking advice? Right. That's a great question too. I like to look at people's charts, their body graphs and see where, um, like really listen to them. And when I hear someone, for instance, say, I struggle with worth, I struggle to like keep up, or I feel like I'm always in a competition. Well, I can look and say, well, that makes sense because you have an open heart center and that's where all of that energy lives. So here's the prescription for that. You know, here's what we need to work on. So whether it be affirmations or writing, journaling or whatever, or even just paying attention to when, how you feel when those things show up, that's how I intuitively work with people. And I also like to incorporate like a lot of self-compassion and self-love because we grow up thinking that we have to be perfect or we have to meet someone's expectations and that really can get us off track. And I think the more that we can say, oh, I've made a few mistakes, but it's okay. This is how I'm built because they're not built like generators and they need sleep and they need rest and they need time off. Maybe they grew up with two generator parents who are constantly rushing them and pushing them and making them do things. And they just don't have the energy for that. So giving them like, it's okay. Like this is how you're built and giving them that. I think that compassion and letting, allowing them to have self-compassion is a huge part of my practice. All oh, that is fabulous and so sorely needed because the, the shame and the blame game has been so predominant in a competitively oriented pyramid system that we all grew up in, regardless of what generation you find yourself in right now. So that healing is part and parcel of what is necessary in order for us to move forward. And so this whole idea of Again, it's not a blame game, but if you were in a position where your childhood was full mm -hmm. of pressures and expectations that you weren't able to meet through no fault of your parents because they were a product of what they encountered in their lives, what is the advice that you would give for a person to overcome? There are these, uh, from a psychological standpoint, and my being a Jungian psychologist, I refer to it with respect to that whole underlying subconscious where you hear those voices that have been internalized and those are very hard to intellectually surmount you have to go beyond the i know this is happening but i can't do anything about it so how would you gently work them out of these self-sabotaging situations. Right, right. It's so, that's not always the easiest because sometimes people are very committed to their stories and they're in arguing for their limitations. One thing that I've just recently started doing, which I've, I'm incorporating it into human design, but it's not really part of human design is um, affirmations and subliminal audios that really help people 
just reach in there into the subconscious, into the place where all of these deep groove of a record lives. That's like, you can't do it. You're not good enough. You get, you're never going to have it. This always happens. Like those types of, those types of, they're also affirmations, but the wrong kind live. And then being able to just replace those with things that you want in your life, you know, that you really, the self-love, the self-compassion, the financial success, like all of those things live right beneath this track that's running in most people's heads. So that's been really a rewarding little project for me. Like I love making subliminals and I love being able to see and like, oh, there's a subliminal for that. We can do that. We can, we can fix anything we want by fixing our belief system and our assumptions. So. Well, most assuredly, the stories we tell ourselves are how we determine our future and how we mold ourselves on the basis of our past experiences. So there are a lot of people now who are in a state of fear with respect to, say, job loss and economics being so incredibly unstable currently. How would you empower people to arrive at some place of stability and balance in these circumstances? Well, I think to to keep affirming that I am safe. I'm safe. I'm safe in my body. I'm safe in my home. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm safe. Because the more we look outward, all you see is that there's suffering and pain and tragedy and all of these things, but there's really so much good inside of each of us and we have access to it at all times. We are the operant power in our life. We are able to decide what we want to think and also what we want to take in. So turn off your TV. <laughs> look at a tree or look at a thousand blades of grass there and know that you are in abundance and you are capable of having a breath of air, you know, or the sun shining down on you. And that's proof that we're going to be okay. Beautiful, brilliant advice. Please, Jasmine, can you tell our audience how they may be able to get in touch with you to pursue this further and see whether you might be able to provide them with the important information that you've been sharing with us tonight on a much more detailed level? Sure. Um, I'm always on Instagram and that's my social media home. So I'm at love Jasmine Kenna there. And then I'm just jasminekenna.com is my website. And I have an email there that you can reach out to me. And I also right now I'm offering a free subliminal for anybody who wants it. And it deals with the heart center of human design. So that's where your worth and your value live in your body graph. And it's actually quite nice to listen to the music's really good. Outstanding. Would there be any variances in the advice that you would give with respect to daily routines for each of these groups? Because certainly how each one would respond as far as some people get very comfortable in repetitively doing the same thing over and over mm -hmm. again, whereas other people would find that absolutely impossible to adjust to. So the whole idea of how you choreograph your energy through the course of a day, I'm sure would be entirely different based on the person that you're talking to. Right. There's so per person, but I would say per type. Um, if you're a projector, give yourself lots of rest. Make sure you're being gentle and soft with yourself. If you're a reflector, same thing. Surround yourself with people that feel really good in places that feel really good and really follow the energy um, because you're going to want to sample it. If you're a manifester, do what you want to do. 
that's what they get to do. They always, that's their job is to initiate and to go forth and to have the big idea and be brave and bold and let people know that you're going to do it as well, because we want to hear from you. If you're a manifesting generator, just do have fun. And because people want you to be authentic and they want you, they want that from you, that you really, as a manifesting generator, demonstrate what's possible. MGs are here to really show people like what is possible. If you just change your mind or you just pivot and do something new, like, look, there's fun right around the corner and generators, same thing. You're here for mastery. You're here to do work that you love. And when you are feeling stuck or downtrodden or doing something you don't love, that's the perfect time to check in and say, how did I make this decision? Did I make it using my strategy and authority or did I make it using my head or my mind? and then circle back over and over. Amazing. This is a perfect summary and a great way for us to let our listeners process the information that was just shared. And I will, within the show notes, make sure that Jasmine's information is conveyed in writing for all of our listeners to take advantage, uh, particularly because she's got this wonderful new project that she is incorporating within her practice that would be I'm sure of absolute value to everybody who is listening thank you so much for taking time to share your radiance and your words of wisdom you are a a blessing and a gift to this planet and I am so glad that you had an opportunity to give us some of that energy and many blessings to you thank you so much Jasmine oh my pleasure thank you so much for having me team at Sophia Stargate would like to thank you for stopping by at the Godbox Cafe and sincerely hope this soundscape enhances your life in the best of all possible ways. If you have any questions, offerings, or suggestions, drop us a line at info at sophiastargate.space. It is our fervent hope that you gain something meaningful from this connection for many years to come. And if you'd like to support our content creation, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash godboxcafe. Until we meet again, may the winged messengers always bring you good news.